of losing a son, that you would strengthen him. And Lord, he's just such a blessing and such a witness in the midst of all of this. But nonetheless, I pray in the quiet times that you would be his peace and that you would be his comfort. So we lift them up to you, Father, and just thank you for their ministry, his ministry, and just pray, Father, that you bless the family. Lord, we just lift up tonight to you, though, in our study. God, just go before us in it and speak to us and, and minister to us in a very real way that prepares us, Father, for, Lord, just these days to come, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We're going to divide it up into four sections, but not tonight. We're just going to look at one. We'll be looking at the first three verses. Chapter 14, verse 1. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him, take Jesus, by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, Bethany we saw a couple of weeks ago, just a suburb of Jerusalem. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flax, a very costly oil of spikenard, and she broke the flask and poured it on his head. What is coming to pass is what the Lord said would happen at this time in his life. Mark chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Because he was teaching his disciples, and he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. It's important that his disciples understand that, and we know that. Why? Because this is all part of the fruition of the Father's plan. This is the only way that it would be possible that man could lay their hands upon God. It's the only way that they could take God captive. It's the only way that they could nail God to a cross and have him executed. It's because it was the will and it was the desire of the Father. This is the Lamb of God who is to be sacrificed to pay the price for the sins of the world. And so his disciples needed to know that he is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Jesus knew it because it was all part of the plan. And his desire is that they would not lose hope when it happened. Last week we saw a sign of Jesus' second coming is power and great glory, but before power and great glory, there must be a humble, submissive sacrifice. And so the Lord is about to be sacrificed, which will occur in a couple of days at the Passover. What we'll be looking at in this section of Scripture in chapter 14 is the Lord's interaction with four different people that give us four different messages. Jesus entering into this time, best described in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we'll see some of the Lord's interactions with a few of the people. I'll point them out in just a minute as he's headed towards this time. And each interaction with each person speaks a message of who Jesus Christ is and what is about to occur. And so we'll divide this chapter, as I said, into four parts. And first, what we're going to see tonight is in that song that we just sang about adoring the Lord speaks volumes, Mary, Mary in a holy anointing. She's anointing him for the day of his death and actuality. Secondly, we'll see Judas in a horrible betrayal. We'll see Peter and his human failure. If you recall, Peter said that he would die in the Lord's place, but it was something he was unable to do. 
And lastly, we'll see a religious community and a hopeless act. And so once again, we see the heart of the religious people. Somebody, I don't remember if it was Sunday, but somebody was asking, it might have been in the men's study on Wednesday morning, was asking me, how come Jesus just didn't reveal himself to the, to the Jews in, in just such a, a way that was undeniably God? Well, he walked on the water. I haven't seen anybody do that. He, he healed diseases. He spoke truth in ways that it has never been spoken. He was crucified, sure, but he was risen from the dead. What more do you want? But still, you see the hardness, and that's my point here, the hardness of their heart. Again, verses 1 and 2. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. It's a good acid test to know if you are above board in the things that you do. And really, I don't want to even come across that strong, but just in your Christian life, and the things, you know, those gray areas, is, is this of the Lord? Is this not of the Lord? Well, a good acid test of that is if it needs to be done secretly and by trickery, it probably shouldn't be done. And what I mean by that is if there's shame attached to it, it's probably not something we should be practicing. And so these gray areas, these gray areas, we need to consider, well, this wasn't a gray area by any stretch of the imagination, but we do see the trickery there, and we see how they're trying to, well, they're going to be deceiving others for the purpose of achieving their will. God, we're told in Mark 8.32, Jesus, his practice was to speak openly. In Acts chapter 10, verse 40, him, God raised from the third day and showed him openly. The things that the Lord does, the Lord does in an open manner. And it's the picture that you have in the cross. Now, the majority of the city of Jerusalem does not exist today. The vast majority of the city of Jerusalem does not exist as it existed in the Lord's day. Now, there's one of the trips that you're in the middle of the city and you go and you visit Mount Golgotha or what is believed to be Mount Golgotha. If that, in fact, is Mount Golgotha, tradition says that it is, I can imagine during Jesus' day as he was crucified upon the cross, he would, that cross would almost hover over the city. And the idea, at least from the Roman perspective, if you do what this criminal was accused of doing, this is what's going to happen to you. And they would for always see that cross that was up there. But the father placed the son upon the cross because this is the Lamb of God who is taking away the sins of the world. And so what he is doing, he is doing openly, and he was doing for all to see. And so Jesus... Jesus definitely revealed himself for who he is. So our first interaction with the Lord is with Mary, and it's this holy anointing. I'll actually read verses 3 and 4. It says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, as Jesus sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flax of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant, indignant, amongst themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Why do you waste so much time going to church? I've heard that before. You go on Sunday morning, and then you go on Sunday night, and then you go in the midweek, you go to this men's small group. Why are you wasting all this time? 
I've had it questioned how much money I give to the church by family members. Them not knowing how much, but wondering how much, how much money are you wasting giving to that church? You serve, how much do they pay you? Because they're concerned about the time that they consider me to be wasting doing the service, rendering the service that I've rendered to the Lord. Well, that's the same thing as uh, Judas Iscariot is accusing Mary of, is why is she wasting this oil? Well, she's done anything but waste the oil. Matter of fact, this simple act of worship resonated throughout the past 2,000 years and continues to minister even today, even here tonight. That act of obedience that she did, that act of obedience that she did got the, and this is important, got the attention of God, got the attention of God so that he included it in his gospel. And so we need to see that. We need to understand that these small things that we do, they have the attention of God. I got bad news. You're not going to make the gospel. You missed the boat on that one. But what a blessing it is to know and to understand that I can grasp the attention of God through just my humble, obedient service, through my humble worship, whatever it might be, that God looks down upon these things. So, this is Mary. How do we know which Mary this is, and how do we even know that it is Mary? Well, as far as which Mary, I know that this is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. I know this for two reasons. John's account in John chapter 12 tells us, and then Mary, we're told, not only did she anoint his head, but she also anointed his feet. And when it comes to the feet of the Lord, Mary is always there. And so we'll look at parallel accounts and other gospels to get the whole picture of exactly what is going on. But as far as the event, although it's very similar, there, are a, there is a different event. So don't get it confused with the event that is spoken of in Luke chapter 7. That was a different woman, woman at a different time, a year or two previous to this, that went and anointed the Lord as well. She was anointing the Lord because of the magnitude of the forgiveness that was given to her. That was the theme of that particular anointing. The theme of this anointing is preparation for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. Now, there are similarities. This is the house of Simon. The house that that other in Luke chapter 7 occurred in, that was Simon the Pharisee. So again, there's some confusion and there's some parallels. Some people, and it's possible it could be true, said that was an event that did happen a year or two before at that man, Simon, who was a Pharisee, who became a leper, but now has been healed. That's kind of a stretch, not a lot of time there, but it's definitely possible. There's also those who say that Simon, that Simon the leper is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' father because they're serving in his house. So there's a lot of stuff that's out there. A lot of people draw conjecture from the scriptures. I like to just kind of stick with what the scriptures say and what we know to be true rather than making a lot of wild guesses. And so we're going to look at this as a standalone event that is mentioned in Matthew chapter 26. Um, and is also mentioned in John chapter 12, and we see the purpose for it, because again, we always have to keep in mind the backdrop of the cross of Christ that is just right around the corner. And so we compare gospel to gospel, and we get a very vivid picture of really what's occurring so that we're able to devote 
an evening study really in actuality boils down an evening study to one verse but i think this is so essential we've talked about it before some of you've heard it before but just sit and be reminded of the intimacy of this and really what is occurring because this is a true picture of heartfelt adoration for god this woman is worshiping the lord based upon who she knows him to be through how he has revealed himself to her And so we have two very vivid pictures in this account. Picture number one is of a church gathered in heaven. At this dinner that is going on at Simon the leper's house, we've got this vivid picture of the church in heaven, but also the second picture, a church gathering here on earth. So we're going to see parallels of that concerning the people who attended it. And the only way that we know the people who attended it is, and it's a fact, it's in Matthew's account of this event, we see that there were up to, could have been more, but there were at least 17 people who were present at this meal. There was the Lord Jesus Christ. There were the 12 apostles. There was Lazarus. This is the Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead. There was Martha, Mary, and the homeowner, Simon. We're not told of any others, but that's okay whether there were others there or not. And so when it comes to a picture, the first picture that we have, first one I want to look at, is Lazarus. The heavenly picture of this man, well, he represents those who have died and have been resurrected from the dead. Assuming that the rapture doesn't come in our day, every single one of us at some point, we're going to die. But Jesus said, in that day that you die here on earth, you'll be more alive than you've ever been in your life. The Lord Well, to be absent from the body is to be in the Lord's presence. And in the Lord's presence, we will live forevermore. I mean, can you... I I was talking to somebody else about eternity, and I don't remember what we were even discussing. I can't even fathom infinity, eternity. It's just so big. But our God is, is so big. And eternity, worshiping the Lord, is going to be so glorious. And our God is so glorious. And His promises are so vast. And they're just so beyond us. They can even seem, as I pointed out, I believe it was last week, surreal at times. But they are are real. And they are things that we, well, it's the foundation of our faith and our hope. And so this man, Lazarus, he now sits at the Lord's table. This man that just, well, days before he was dead, but now he's alive. The earthly picture, he represents all of those who are born again. Hopefully he represents every one of us that are tonight. We were all once dead, but now have been in our death. As Christ met us there, we became new creatures. We became creatures in him. We have found this new life in our Christian faith. The second, second dual picture is of Simon the leper. The earthly image is of a sinner who is set free. Leprosy, leprosy was an incurable disease, and the only time we see anybody being released of leprosy was because of an absolute miracle of God. They were all miracles of God. Leprosy is this picture of someone who is suffering the effects of sin. Simon was a man set apart in a condition that he was helpless to change and knew that one day this would take his life. But being that he was fellowshipping here with others tells me that he has been set free. Called Simon the leper, but in actuality, he was Simon who was formerly a leper because the law said if somebody is a leper, they have to separate themselves from society. 
but we have this man who is living in society. And since God is the only one who has ever healed anybody with leprosy, this had to be a work of the Lord Jesus Christ within his life. And he's understanding the magnitude of what God has done for him. Because again, just think, if you contact this, contract this disease that you did nothing to, to receive, and, and now you're, you're just not so much that your, your skin is deteriorating and, and people are looking upon you as somebody who is vile, but you're, you're separated out from your family and from your friends and from fellowship, and you can't go into the temple to worship God, and you're just so isolated and you're so alone. But in the midst of that isolation and that aloneness, God had entered in and altered this man's life and brought him back into this intimate fellowship. Again, earthly image, <clears throat> earthly image of a sinner who has been set free, but also a heavenly picture. Simon is a picture of those who are to be raptured and now sitting at the Lord's table. This man has been completely transformed by the healing powers of God and now is able to have intimate fellowship. We had that disease of sin that we could do nothing about <clears throat> until God entered in and changed our lives. As far as the rapture, if it happens in our day, I'll meet you up there and we can talk about it there. The third person that we see is Martha. And yes, it is that Martha. She represents those who both on heaven and on earth are just servants who are consumed in their service to the Lord. It's not how it has always been. The first time that we met them is in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, where it says, Now it happened as they went <clears throat> that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, because I'm alone and, and doing all of this work, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. It says she was distracted by much serving. What was she distracted from? She was distracted from the word of God. And unfortunately, that's a dynamic that I see in the church. I see people that are serving and, and bless their hearts. They're doing so much for the church, but they don't take that time to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't take that time to grow in the knowledge of who he is, to be reminded of the great things that he has done. And again, our service can be so overcoming and so overwhelming that we forget the reason that we serve the Lord. What does it mean, then, to sit at the feet of the Lord? To sit at the feet of the Lord is multifaceted, and in Scripture, it's of different things. At the feet of the Lord, first, it's a place of pardon. In Luke chapter 7, verse 48, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. To sit at the feet of the Lord, it's a place of healing. In Matthew fifteen thirty. then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. To sit at the feet of the Lord, it's a place of learning, as we just saw here with Mary choosing the better part. To sit at the feet of the Lord, it's a place of prayer. 
in Mark chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogues came, uh, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. To sit at the feet of the Lord is a place of thanksgiving. Luke seventeen fifteen through 16. These are the lepers that were healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Sitting at the feet of the Lord is a place of rest. In Luke chapter 8, verse 35, this man of the gatherings, it says, Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man, this was the demon-possessed man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And then seated at the feet of the Lord, it's also a place of submission to his majesty as we see the Apostle John at the revelation of Jesus Christ submitting himself to the Lord by falling down before his feet. And so all of us, no matter who we are, we cannot neglect sitting at the feet of the Lord because being seated at the feet of the Lord speaks volumes of who I am, speaks volumes of my mindset, and will also minister to me in volumes that I'll never really understand until they come to pass. And so my encouragement to you, serve the Lord without a doubt, but never, never, never neglect the time to be seated at his feet. As far as this heavenly picture, Simon, again, picture of those who are raptured, and then we enter into Martha, consumed with service. But now in John's gospel, in his account of what we're looking at here in Mark, John says in John chapter 12, verse 2, Then they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was just one of those who sat at the table with him. Notice how Mark, in our section of Scripture, doesn't even mention her name. And this should be every true servant's aspiration. It is service that is, well, it's not about me serving, it's not about you serving. It's all about the work that the Lord wants to do in his service to us. The fourth person... Well, we come back to Mary now. Whether it's heaven or earth, this is one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible of the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her witness of worship, and this can be applied to concepts for sitting and singing, praying, reading, giving, whatever it might be, but we just see how she submits herself to the Lord just simply for the purpose of worshiping him based upon what was about to transpire in just a little bit. Again, verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he, as the Lord, sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flax, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on its head. Three times in the scriptures we see Mary, and as I said before, she's seated at his feet. The first time we saw in Luke chapter 10 as she was learning. The second time is John chapter 11 as she is mourning. In John 11:32, this is after her brother dies. It says, Then Mary came where Jesus was, saw him, and fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And the third time is here, best seen in the Gospel of John once again in verse 3. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet his hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Why does it say anointed his head here and his feet there? 
Well, it's just from different perspectives. The head would encompass the totality of the body. I would ima imagine as that oil was broken over his head, it dripped down, and then you had Mary when she got down on her knees before him. His feet were before his face. She took her hair and she cleaned her feet. You just see this humble service and worship that was rendered by her. Now, it was a Jewish custom of the time to invest saved money. A woman would have very few options. A common investment of the day was costly perfumes. They didn't have showers such as we had, so instead of getting away the body odor, they would mask the body odor. But perfumes were very expensive. The amount that she invested was about a year's wages, and for a woman, it was probably even more than that. So you see the investment that she poured into that. Think of your wages for a year to be contained right there in this, this, this flask and then to break it and to spill it. That's why Judas, we'll see next week, was beside himself. How could she just waste that much money not understanding really the expression of her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Some commentators speculate that this may even have been a dowry, but really what you need to see is this is her future, maybe her future security. This is what she's depended upon. She's put her money here. She, she's, if it's a dowry, this is where hope for her husband and her future is stored up and, and all of these things. But what is she doing? She's humbly offering it to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you worship the Lord with your costly oil of spikenard? Now, there's different ways that you can go about it. I'm sure there's some who let him look, but don't let him touch. Others will give a few drops, but not too much. A few will give that 10%, but Mary gave all. Mary gave everything because she understands this concept of giving to the Lord because in actuality she knows I'm only giving in what Christ has first given me. We only give of what we have because God has first given it to us. To look at it from any other perspective is to look at it in a prideful manner. We work hard. There's no doubt about that. But the job that we have and the funds that we bring in are from the hand of God. We can never doubt that. We must always remember that. In John chapter 12, verse 3, again, it says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. And so she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is a concept I'm not familiar with, but hair, it's a kind of an amazing thing how, how hair will hold certain aromas, smells, whatever it might be. You know, somebody comes from a bar and a bunch of smoke, you can smell it in their hair. Well, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, you see how the scriptures tie together and give us an intimate picture of what's happening here. It says, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for his hair is given for her for a covering. Now, I was talking to somebody who had been ministering to a lady who had cancer. And, and the lady was a little bit ashamed because she was going through chemo and she was talking to this minister and she says, I, I just feel so shameful. You know, I've, I've lost my hair and, and I, I just feel ashamed because of that. And I know that's prideful and it ought not to be. And what he told her was, no, no, that's how God has created you. Because, again, we just see here, the Bible says her hair is given to her for a covering. And that's okay. Ladies, this is a good proof text to get your hair done whenever you want and how, how much you want. 
No, but, but you know, my wife, that's part of who she is. It's part of the, the femininity of, of who she is and that which I appreciate about her. And so I think we can all agree that there's something about that and there's something about that, as the Bible says, that comes from God. And so this is a good thing. So in order to worship him then, so again, if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. So it's part of the beauty of a woman and who a woman is. But in order to worship him, what did she do? She surrendered her glory to the Lord and came to him empty of herself. And that's the picture here. Because the Lord, the Lord is soiled by the world. Feet, feet, you can imagine in those days, whether barefoot or wearing sandals, just the dust and there's a lot of animals and all of that. She's coming before him. Instead of taking a, a blanket or whatever it might be, a towel, she uses her hair. And as the oil goes on his feet, she's cleaning them with her hair. And so you can imagine how humble that truly is. We're told, and again in John's Gospel, that the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Oh, the fragrance of the oil. It, it, it was just filling that house so that John, as he's thinking back and writing that, that was one of the things that really stood out. There are certain smells that just stand out. I'm not saying that they're bad smells or whatever. They just stand out and they, they remind us of things. Um, the Brea oil fields. I, my high school years, I was in Brea. I played football and they would take us out running in the oil fields. And there were hills there and they would bring us to the doorstep of death. Running us up and down in the summer and it was hot and you're miserable. And there was this smell that radiated from the brush that was there. It was just a very unique smell. It's not anything that I even thought of at the time. But I remember going somewhere out in the field somewhere, and it was kind of a damp morning. This was years after, and there was that smell again. And it just brought my thoughts back to that time. And so, John, this was overwhelming, and it brought him back. There's that smell that smell that is so sweet and reminded me of the intimacy of Mary as she was worshiping the Lord in those days just before he died. He's understanding the typology that is going on here and the Lord being anointed for his death and again, just understanding all of these things. And as he does so, he records them for us so that we can see this picture of really what is happening other than just the physical picture of what we see. And it's a point I want to make. This house was filled with the fragrance of this oil. And what is the significance of it? Well, it's a picture of the Lord and how the Lord passes the ministry on to us. As we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and we look at this woman, Mary. God has set so many examples for us in our earthly ministry here through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was that time that he was baptized. And when he was baptized, there was the picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily always tied together with water baptism, but we have that picture that is there. Jesus, as he's dunked into the water, he comes out, he's baptized, he's immersed water everywhere, and then the Spirit alights upon him such as a dove that would land upon a person. And now he has the Holy Spirit upon him for the purpose of his ministry. Well, we have this visual picture here, visual picture, we have this picture here of Jesus as he's being anointed with oil. He's being anointed as this great high priest. 
this great high priest, instead of the one who's going to offer the sacrifice, the one who is going to be offered as the sacrifice. Because the anointing oil, the anointing oil we see in the book of Exodus, it was put upon the priest. And as the oil would be placed upon the head, it would drip down on the body, and this person would be baptized in this oil or immersed in this oil. And it's a picture of this person being filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit coming upon this person. And we see it as the king was put in place as well. We saw it in King Saul and King David. They were anointed king over Israel. Well, here we have the king and the priest, the great high priest and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we have this picture of him being anointed with this oil. And this oil, again, has a very pronounced aroma to it. Well, the Lord is going to leave that house that night. The Lord is going to go off and the Lord is going to be sacrificed. But what are we left with? Well, the fragrance is still there. The fragrance is still there in that house. Why? Because it's in Mary's hair. See, it's been transferred from the Lord Jesus Christ onto Mary. Now, I don't know what Mary did that day, but when Mary left that house, that fragrance would go with her. That fragrance would go with her wherever she was. And it's the same thing. We come and we sit at the feet of the Lord. We just went through that long list of sitting before the feet of the Lord. And as we sit at the feet of the Lord, there's that transfer, if you will, of, that whole, of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, people understand and know that we've been with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to know is through the Holy Spirit as he ministers to them, but as he ministers through us as well. Because I can imagine later on, maybe even the next day, somebody's with Mary. Man, you smell good. Where have you been? I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Where have you been? I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. And the aroma that you smell, well, they're going to smell aroma, but it's all from the point of perspective from where they're at. Because Paul used the example in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. So all of mankind is going to smell the fragrance. To the one, to those who are perishing, we're the aroma of death leading to death. And that speaks of us through the Spirit as we share the Word of God. And they're convicted by the Word of God, but they don't answer to the Word of God. They don't submit themselves to the Word of God. That's a stench. Get away from me. I don't want to hear about your gospel things anymore. But to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And as we have fellowship together or approach somebody and they respond to the gospel message. We had four people, I believe it was, that respond to the gospel message. That was the aroma of life in this place that morning. And it was that which led them to life. And the only way that came about, not just me, but for all who participated that day, is because God's people spent time seated at his feet. And we had the aroma of Christ. And it was the aroma of Christ that ministered to them. And it was that aroma of life. I would imagine there was some people that it was a terrible stench as well. Those who heard the gospel message but refused the gospel message. People know you've been with Jesus through the aroma, if you will, of what you give. And that's the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is upon us. 
problem. So many people leave this witness hidden in a house, buried in a field, or stored up in a bottle, not ever really breaking it open. But God has told us to be a people who are open. Mary was. Mary was. She did this in front of these other people, these other 16 people that were in there. And again, we're reading about it today. It ministered. It was true. And it was, as I said earlier, intimate. And it, it, it was just so, so profound that even Jesus said, Surely I say to you, this is in verse 9 of chapter 14, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She got the attention of God. Now, when we went to Israel, it involved a 14-hour plane flight. Why? Because it's on the other side of the world. Well, now, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, what that woman has done is ministering to us even today. Now, this is just some simple woman in this insignificant country of Israel. This woman was probably looked down upon in society. I don't know how old she was, but unmarried and just, just not anybody that would be looked upon necessarily favorably. But Jesus looked upon her favorably because she worshiped at his feet. As we worship at the feet of the Lord, we know we have the favor of the Lord. Father, once again, we just thank you, God, that your word is just filled with these intimate pictures of worship, intimate pictures of repentance, intimate pictures of obedience, whatever it might be. There's the opposite as well, but Lord, may we cling to what is good, what is right, and what is proper in your sight. And so, Father, I just thank you, Lord, again, for your word, your word that just meets us in such profound ways. Father, I pray that you would take note of our service today, and God, that you would use it for your glory. And Lord, just as Mary, what she did reverberated throughout the ages, I pray that we would realize the simple obediences that we follow through and those times that we sit at Jesus are going to be times that, well, could very well have eternal ramifications in the lives of others and even our own lives. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a people who are able to see the big picture. And so, Father, as you reveal that big picture to us, I pray that we would be receptive of it. And so, Father, I lift up those who are in this room today. I pray as we enter into these days of Christmas, we celebrate the birth of our Lord. We gather together with family and friends. May we be mindful of these things and the witness that we're able to give. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We all stand, please? We have our Christmas schedule in the bulletin. We are going to be having our Sunday morning service. I'll be giving a Christmas-themed message. No Sunday night service. We are moving Sunday night service to Monday night, and we're going to be having our traditional, this will be the third year in a row, candlelight service, and then we'll have our traditional Christmas morning service. That'll be 9 o'clock here at the church. And if you're one of the guys that attend our Wednesday morning services, Um, Our men's study on Wednesday morning, we are still having that. Um, Our Christmas Vacation Bible School is going on this Saturday. I'm sure they could use some help if anybody's available. 8 o'clock, I believe, till 1. It does start at 8 o'clock. If you have somebody that you have yet to sign up, we need to get them signed up. You can just show up, but we need to understand who's coming and who's not coming. God bless you guys. I'll see you Sunday.
Share the King of Glory. We'll see you on Sunday.